Welcome to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research for the week of November 2nd, 2020. I'm Alex Stevens. I'm a policy analyst here at the Institute for Energy Research, and I'm joined by IER's Deputy Director of Public Policy, Jordan McGillis. Jordan, how's it going today? It's going well. I'm excited to talk about some of the recent work we've done at IER. <clears throat> One of our interesting pieces we've got up uh, on, no on October 23rd is titled Coronavirus Pandemic is clobbering energy efficiency crusade. And this piece gets into some of the unexpected effects of the coronavirus pandemic and economic slowdown um, on energy. Two specific areas in which this has occurred are transportation and uh, the use of energy in buildings. On the transportation side of things, one of the very clear effects um, of the virus and the shutdowns has been severe declines in the use of public transit. Uh, rail ridership on many systems is down by 90%, and the drop in riders on buses um, has been as much as 66%. So significant declines in ridership, but people still need to get around. And many people who previously were, were using public transit are now using their cars instead, or have even bought new cars. So we're seeing this shift in, uh, in the way energy is being used for transportation, um, to more of the internal combustion engine, actually. However, we're still using a lot of energy to run those rail lines uh, and to run those municipal buses because those municipalities often have a legal responsibility to, to keep um, that service in operation. So we're actually seeing quite a big rebound in energy usage and transportation. And in buildings, a very similar dynamic has occurred. Large offices, such as the one IER is in, uh, are still being maintained, still running um, electricity and AC during the summer and now transitioning into heat, but many employees are at home. So we're getting duplicate energy usage uh, while they're running their home, air conditioners or heaters, air, and uh, obviously electricity, water, and various utilities. Um, so we've got this double dip going on where the standard operating procedure of public transit and the big office buildings are still using energy as they were before, but then individual people are uh, going about things differently than they did. Yeah, anecdotally, that seems to make sense. Uh, I was on the metro here in D.C. yesterday evening during what would generally be rush hour, and it was completely empty. Um, but yeah, all this seems to fit something that we talk about quite a bit when it comes to climate and environmental policies, where um, people who stress policies that uh, focus on things like energy efficiency uh, tend to uh, think of these policies working out on pretty long timelines, 20 to 30 years, and they set goals for certain levels of efficiency and things. And something that we've always stressed is that um, when you think of policies on this long of timelines, it's very hard to foresee uh, events that end up changing our behavior in ways that you've sort of described and um, exist, uh, that things that pop up uh, like the, um, the the pandemic. So. And last thing I'll point out relatedly is the real clash that I'm afraid we're going to face between the city planners who are attempting to get more and more people into public transit via a variety of nudges uh, and personal preference, which clearly is going to skew away from public transit in the ensuing years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Uh, the one thing I want to highlight for our listeners this week is a clip from the American Energy Alliance's unregulated podcast with Tom Pyle and Mike McKenna. 
Uh, this week, Tom and Mike reflected on uh, the first term of the Trump presidency, and they gave their final election outlooks and predictions. Here's a clip of this week's episode. Right. I know there are other differences, but the, the actual narrative of the yeah, campaign yeah. is identical. Yeah. It's, it's the, the same. Now, now Joe Biden is closing in on Georgia. He's closing in on Texas. This could be a route. Yeah, I'm a little I, unclear. I just, uh, okay, so they sent they sent Senator Harris to Texas, like right after the debate, and and I thought to myself, that's odd. After you basically just said you'd like Texas to get erased from the the states, right? Like, yeah, hey, we're gonna get rid of oil. I'm like, we need rid of oil and gas. I'm like, well, that's a problem if you're in Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, right? It it the, the fact that they hey we're still alive in Texas. I'm like, well, here's the thing. Those those million or so guys in Texas who work in the in the oil business in some way or another, some of those folks may have been thinking about voting for Joe Biden. Some of them may have been thinking about going deer hunting next week. None of those people are now thinking that way. You can find all of this content and more work from our staff at our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Alex Stevens.